Yeah, I, like I said, I am killing it in draft hockey so far. Um, I really need to try that. Yeah, I, it's, I, even, I did the auction, whatever. But this is, uh, hello, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the My Fantasy Fix DFS football podcast. My name is Ben and Carol, joined, as always, by Skeeter Robinson. Skeeter, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, if we're gonna do the draft hockey thing, like if I ever played you head to head, we just like stack Blackhawks and then you know not, try that not contest. If, or... Not if we want to win. Uh, not well, this year at least. <laughs> they're gonna be. They're not gonna be a great team. They're not gonna be a great fantasy team probably this year or reality. But yeah, uh, absolutely love love playing uh some uh, some draft hockey. If you ever want to play me, feel free to send me a challenge. Um, but yeah, let's, let's get into it. Week five about to get underway. It's, uh, we're recording Wednesday night. So by the time you hear this, uh, you'll be, you know, day of Thursday night football, but let's take a longer look at, at the main slate for week four. Let's start with, uh, a, a guy who just found out how long his starting role is going to last James Connor. We know Le'Veon Bell's coming back, but what is your interest in James Connor until then? Uh, this is one I can't quite figure out quite yet. Because when I look at his attempts the past three weeks, eight against the Chiefs, nine against the Ravens, 15 against Tampa Bay. He's getting, I mean, he is getting five-plus targets every week. So the carries aren't there. He's being part, He's being used in the passing game a little bit, but nothing big. In fact, he only has one touchdown since week one. And he's 7,500. The, the interesting thing here is it's against the Falcons. At this point, I think we all should realize the Falcons refuse to, to uh, defend running back receptions. I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to think 7,500 might be a little too much. Like, if Connor was a guy that I've at least seen recently catch nine passes, you know, eight, nine, ten passes in a game, or at least get targeted that much, then I might have some interest. But 7,500, I think that's... My my initial thought right now is that's too high of a price to pay on him. Yeah, I I was a big fan of him. I was very happy to see him do well week one just for, for his personal story. But it feels like he's really fallen off a cliff the last couple of weeks. And I, I you know, I've I've been hearing some positive positivity about him, but I just I'm not sure about this game. I, I think it's a great situation. But it, it's starting to feel like he's the kind of back where it's not, it's not even like a, he's in a good situation. It, it feels like he might just not be as good as we thought he was, pers- personally. Right, but what I mean, well, the problem here is, this, I mean, this is a fifty over under. We've seen what the Le'Veon Bell role is. He's kind of a system back, or at least Connor has kind of fit in, just not quite Le'Veon Bell. So I mean, can we fully fade somebody in a fifty over under? I don't know, especially against a team who is notoriously bad at running back receptions. That's where I think I just kind of have to, you know, kind of wait and maybe even see what the deciding vote for me not to. But if, like, everybody's, like, scared of Connor at this price, maybe then he makes a great tournament play just for the upside of the Falcons' defense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I guess, I don't know. Like, I think the uh... – the defense, it makes sense he plays well. I just feel like he's really underperformed, but I agree with you. If he's, you know, I think a lot of people are going to look at it the same way I am and just go, ah, he's looked bad two, three weeks in a row. This might this might be the week he actually does turn it around, so that might be a good play. Like, uh, like who would you rather go with, 
Connor at 7,500 or in the same game, a returning Devonta Freeman at 6,500. Uh, I, I think I, like, I just, I think I just, I have the, the fit and I, I, again, I, I tend to play it safe unless I want to do something really stupid and not like fun, just like stupid. I just mm-hmm. have more faith in in Freeman. I've seen him do it more. You know what I mean? Like I've just I know he can do it, and I just haven't seen enough of James Conner doing it to really like guarantee like like believe in him, even in a great I, matchup. I think that's fair. Or maybe just the option is to forget the run game and just focus on all the pass catchers. But I know like it's quite expensive pretty quick. Well, and that's you want to talk about going from a guy who's had no hype the last few weeks to a guy who's had all the hype the last few weeks. Calvin Ridley is going to be the popular play, I think, in that pat. In that, if you're going back and forth with that passing game, guys got what five touchdowns the last two weeks, uh, which is good enough for second for anyone in the entire season. Uh, what is what? What are your interests in that? The uh, the rookie receiver from Bama. You know what this situation reminds me of, and I'm, I know I've heard a couple other people say it. Like, does, doesn't this feel like Will Fuller last year, where? All of a sudden, he gets him into Sean Watson, and he's, like, catching touchdowns at, like, a ridiculous rate. So, if we're going to look at the snaps, so, I'm, again, I'm looking at the at the, at the uh, premium package on my fantasy fix. I'm looking at the snap counts. Uh, three weeks ago, he only had 56% of the snaps. Julio and Sanu both at 76%. Two weeks ago, when he went off, uh, only 62% for Ridley, 87 for Sanu, 79 for Julio. Last week, 79 for Sanu, 77 for Julio, 54 Calvin Ridley. Like, he's being extremely efficient. How much longer can we rely on him scoring touchdowns when he's obviously the third receiving option for the Falcons? He just happens to be scoring a lot. I tend to think regression is going to come back at some point to get Ridley. And then, you know, I'm just not going to play him when I think he's going to be popular. I, I know he's scored, a you know, what, five touchdowns the past two weeks. But 5,800, I know it's a high-scoring game. I will pass. Maybe I just, if I really want to go contrarian, go Sanu at 4,000. But I'm taking a hard pass on Ridley because I just don't see him being able to sustain this production. Yeah, it's it's that kind of thing where, you know, either – he can't sustain this or he's going to be one of the best receivers in football. Like it, it, it can't go both ways. Basically. I think it could Well, it could, it, this week I'm saying, okay. Yes. Uh, so I think, yeah, I, I tend to agree, but let's look at the other side of that matchup. You've got a couple other, uh, I guess you could say, okay. Wide receivers going for Pittsburgh. Uh, again, high, high over under, uh, what is your interest in the Steelers receivers? Um, yes. How's that for answer? <laughs> that that yeah, no, I, I get it. Uh Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> in uh it, it, is Ben Roethlisberger too chalky this week? What do you think? No, because I don't know like at, at this point with every with every quarterback basically under seven thousand, like who's gonna be chalky? I mean you got Rivers a couple hundred cheaper. You got Ryan three hundred cheaper in the same game. I mean, you still have Cam on the slate. You have Rogers at a pretty cheap t- price. Mahomes at sixty two hundred, even though it's against Jacksonville. And there's even sub- there's even players sub six thousand that I think are op- are viable. Plus, Roethlisberger didn't look really good last week. I mean, yeah, he put up sixteen points, but 
that didn't really look good. Like, there might be some serious concern with the Steelers. I don't think he's chalky. I think he's a fine tournament play if you really want to stack the heck out of this game. And maybe at this point, I love Antonio Brown, but I'm starting to think that maybe Juju is a better play because he's out producing him and he's also 1600 cheaper. Yeah, I. It feels like there's a there's almost like a shift coming with the Pittsburgh Steelers that Juju's going to take. Yeah, Juju's the one A quote unquote and coming out of the slot, but from a fantasy perspective, he's just been better. I I think he's been better than AB a- this year. AB just hasn't had as many breakout like great performances for me at least. But yeah, I, I fully agree uh, with your quarterback discussion. Uh, let's jump to another game. This is the one I've been bouncing back and forth all all day. Uh, bad offense faces a bad defense, and a good defense faces a great offense. Uh, Jacksonville, Kansas City. How, how do you? I I don't know. Like what wins in, in a game of of where everything kind of matches up like that. See, okay, so this is where I have you know some memories of like the divisional playoff game last year where. Pittsburgh was that really good offense at home against this really good Jacksonville defense, and I think that final was like 45-42. But I also not, you know, we saw Mahomes kind of struggle for three quarters Monday night against Denver, and was able to turn on the fourth quarter. Like, in a slate where we have, you know, 12 games, I get the prices are discounted because, you know, the algorithm for DraftKings is factoring in the Jacksonville matchup. I get it. I'm just not sure this is a spot I really want to go if I'm the Kansas City side. Like, I mean, Tyreek Hill still feels a little expensive at 6,900. Mahomes at 6,200, I think, is fair. Kelsey at 6,000. We typically don't like paying up a tight end. But, wait, but 50, didn't, 50, didn't, didn't, you listen, didn't you listen to the Monday night broadcast? He's the best tight end in football. The best tight end in football. He Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in football. And say that about 47 more times. I, wow, I, I watched the game and I missed that. Yeah, it's it was every time he was touching the ball, it was, oh, Travis Kelsey, best in football. Also, Jason Witten's now being the new John Gruden, basically declaring. He's, he's, he's trying to. He's still, he's still, he's still dry. He's, like, he's, he's, he's learning. He's, he's getting into it. Like, I'm not, I'll, I'll, I'll call him not good in a year. Like, I'm not, he's kind right. of easing his way into it. It's not, the problem is, uh, Romo jumped in so heavily, so quickly. It's it was so good. Compa- right. It's tough to compare them. Right. So, I mean, the only way I'm playing Chiefs this week is if I'm wanting a contrarian tournament stack, saying, you know what? Hey, they're underpriced. They're a great offense. Let's stack them together and see what happens. But outside of that, I'm not playing them as any one-offs. The Jacksonville side, though, I might have some interest because – isn't the narrative out there basically Blake Bortles is a much better quarterback when Leonard Fournette is not in the game? And, well, Fournette's already been ruled out, I believe, for week five. Yeah, I, b- I believe the stat I saw was he averages 20 points a game when Fournette's not out, and it it's less when Fournette – or 20 points a game when Fournette is out, and it's it's much fewer points when Fournette is in. Right. So, but, so I mean, Yeldon's price up at 5,600. I, st- I, I think he's a nice play. But the problem is if you're going to play Bortles and you want to stack him, which receiver do you go with? I mean, they're all sub-5,000, but is it a Keelan Cole week? Is it a D.D. Westbrook week? Do we see Dante Moncrief? Do we get Safarian Jenkins, which I would say no on? <laughs> like, I think it's hard to kind of figure out who the Jacksonville 
receiver of choices, but I think it makes all three of them great tournament plays because if you happen to choose the one that goes off, I think you're getting extremely great value in a plus matchup. Yeah, and it kind of feels like the three of them are all, you know, I don't want to say different, you know, but like Westbrook, you're going to get the guy who gets 14 targets. Uh, uh, Keelan Cole, you're going to have four or five, like, chances to make outstanding plays. And then Dante Moncrief's kind of the wild card there. He's just the other guy who's got a a lot of ability. So it's that thing where, like, each of them has their own reason why they might be the right pick, and it's just really, I have no idea who's going to be the guy. Right. Somebody, one of those three will probably go off, but good luck trying to predict with any certainty which one it is. Yeah, that's I. I think I've been leaning towards Westbrook, but I. I think that's just because I'm hoping he gets the target share he got last week. I, I, if he can get that again, I think he'll be the one. But it's just whether or not he can. Right. I think Moncrief's the number three for me. And I'm more of a Keelan Cole guy, but I certainly get the Westbrook play as well. Yeah. All right. Speaking of of teams with a ton of receivers, uh, the Green Bay Packers, their uh, their wide receiver situation is getting uh getting a little interesting yeah so let's see adams is questionable but i think he will probably play i I I read he was playing today is okay so we have allison the concussion protocol so who knows on that we have cobb who missed last week with a hamstring and he's still not practicing like i kind of think at least one of allison and cobb is out probably both and even though the Detroit, when you look at their wide receiver, you see opponent rank first, I don't fully buy that for the Detroit secondary. So if we get Cobb or Allison out, I'm looking at, what's his first name? Valdez Scantling at 3,300. I know he only saw three targets last week, but remember, that's against Buffalo. They really didn't have to throw a whole heck of a lot. I think this is a very nice play in a game that could go a little bit overlooked the Green Bay in Detroit. It's sitting at a 51 over under as we talk. So it will be, you know, it's not as a few other games, but it's still above 50. I think he's a great value play if we get where the Allison and or Cobb is out. Yeah, I, I, you know, with, with Aaron Rodgers, it's always three or four receivers deep that are going to be getting targets. And, and it's that next guy up mentality with them. So I, I agree. Uh, any interest in, in Equinemius St. Brown, who I'm definitely not just saying, cause Ooh. he's got a great name. Ooh. Um, yes. Like if Allison and Cobb are both out, I think everybody might just go white to Valdez Scanlon because he played last week. I think this is a great pivot then to Equinemius for 300 cheaper. I don't think anybody will be on him. I think they're just going to say, well, we'll either play Adams or we'll play Valdez Scantling, and then they're going to forget about St. Brown. So, no, I like that. I like that idea. By the way, what is it with all these hyphenated names or oh, I lo- well, multiple oh, names? Well, I was going to say, I don't know if you know this, Equinemius St. Brown's uh, brothers are named Osiris and Amon-Ra. Wow. It, it's hey, kinda, I like those first names. Yeah, it, it's kind of wild that Equinemius might be the most normal of the three. Um, yeah, yeah it's, I, I actually I really like, like the first th- I, a th- I think a three-name receiver is 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 awesome. I, I love the three-name receivers. And that includes, yeah. like, AJ, if you go Adriel Jeremiah Green, like, I count that as a three-name receiver. 
Can you imagine if we combine names as Equinamius Valdez Scantling? Like, it'd be like the Equinamius that's, that's like the Valdez Scantling St. Brown. I love it. <laughs> Here we go. And, and then, by the way, this is two Bears talking about Packers receivers. So I, 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 I own a stock in the Packers. It's fine. I, I can talk about that. <laughs> nice. I, I every year vote to uh, vote to remove the current board of directors. Uh, it has not worked yet, but I'm hoping. <laughs> My dad and I, we each send in a vote that says that says no every year, and as we're, we're hoping to cause chaos in the organization. Also, your Bears fans buying this to sabotage. Ooh, uh, it's that, and because I can say I'm an NFL team owner, and uh, that's <laughs> like, look, it, that's, it's a fact. I I am. It's there's no there's no debate. I own the Green Bay Packers. Uh, if only the Bears could own the Packers, that would be great. Uh, well, uh, yes. Let's jump to another game. Uh, the Oakland Raiders heading to the city they used to call home to play a team that doesn't really have a city that wants to have them, let them call it home, and that is the L.A. Chargers. Uh, L.A. Chargers, of course, not wanted in L.A., no longer wanted in San Diego, and uh, just kind of in the NFL. Uh, what, what do you like from this game? It's uh, an AFC West matchup. Um, maybe the better question is what don't I like in this game? Because I, you know, when I first saw this, I know everybody's looking at Atlanta Pittsburgh and I get it, but the game that kind of stood out to my mind is, wait a minute, maybe people are going to forget about this one is Chargers Raiders. You know, it's the AFC West game. It's the late game. People love their early games. Like, I think this is a game you can stack as many ways as you want. I think Derek Carr's in play. I mean, He's coming off of, you know, a 36-and-a-half-point outing against the Browns last week. I know there was overtime, but he still did a lot of production pre-overtime. Phillip Rivers is fine. Running backs love a Melvin Gordon-Austin-Eckler combination. The Raiders are bad against the run. Love taking advantage there. Marshawn Lynch, who I just kind of immediately dismissed. You know, Michael brought this up in our Peoria show last week. Like, he's producing 15, 16 points a week, and the last week goes for 21. He finally gets a price bump to 5,500, but I still don't think that's high enough for him. You know, maybe he's a better fan duel play, a half-point PPR. And then all the receivers you could ever want. I mean, Keenan Allen, I'm, a, I'm not an Amari Cooper guy, but Jordy I think is fine. Mike Williams, last year was a Tyrell Williams. Like, I think there's a lot of goodness here. Even the tight ends, Jared Cook, who's getting priced up. I think there's a lot of ways you can stack this game, and I'm not sure people are going to be on it. Yeah, it feels like Jared Cook just generally this week is one of the top tight ends. Not like by price, I'm just saying in general. Like once you get past that first level of the elite guys, it feels like he's one of the upper level, like one of the top guys at that next level, which is weird. It doesn't feel normal. But I believe he's the number one fantasy right now. Yeah, he, but even still, like, I just, I don't know. It's a little unsettling, I guess. Right, uh, and it's funny, yeah, I was to say, if, if we're starting to see that people are loving him and putting him in the lineups, are we really going to observe Jared Cook Chalk Week? Yeah, right, which is just a scary thought. A scary thought. Can I, all right, I've been, I've been having, my dad also plays some DFS. We, we play with each other every now and then. It's a lot of fun. Let me just ask, because I, I need to discuss this with him. All right. What is the difference between just like playing something people aren't on and a good contrarian play? Like what's what's the signifier? Because he'll go, oh, I'm playing, 
I don't know, we were talking hockey. So he's like, I'll play this goalie against this incredible offense. It's a contrarian play because the goalie has, it's a good goalie. But like, if it's against a good, like, you know, what's the difference between just playing something people aren't and what makes it, what makes a contrarian play good, basically? In my eyes, a contrarian play is good if number one, people aren't on it. Number two, you have a valid reason. Like, don't, you know, don't go stack like the Jets this week because nobody's going to play the Jets or, Go stack the Buffalo Bills at home. Like, yes, nobody's going to be on them. But if you, the only reason that you're playing somebody is because nobody's on them, that's just bad. Have a reason for it. So, like, my example here with the Chargers and Raiders, like, I think everybody's going to focus on Atlanta, Pittsburgh. Maybe there's some, you know, Kansas City gets attention at cheap price. Green Bay, Detroit, I think, has uh, potential as a, as a shootout. Maybe Minnesota, Philadelphia, in that late, like, kind of gets a lot of attention. Maybe a better NFL game than fantasy game. That's why, you know, but when I look at the Raiders and Chargers, the fact they're both pretty good offense, their defenses are very sus- suspect. I have my reason there. So I, I think it's basically looking at numbers, looking at things like that, and having a reason for a play, not just playing something because, oh, nobody's on it. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. That's what I've I've been trying to to get through to him. That there's a difference between just contrarian, you know, a, a good contrarian play and a play that no one else is on. Like it's it's the it's the reason it's the reasoning behind the play. Right. I mean, yes, there is randomness. You could stack against Clayton Kershaw in baseball, and yeah, you know, what once or twice a year, congrats, you're gonna get rewarded. But outside of random chance, you better have a reason for doing it. Otherwise, you're just kind of lighting your money on fire. Yeah, and uh, we were talking about Jared Cook, uh, another tight end who gets hurt every year. Uh, this one, I don't think it's his fault, though. No, this was not, this was not a fun injury to watch. Uh, this is one of those on the, uh, what was it, the kid from Louisville a few years ago? Oh. Kevin something. I'm blanking on his name. But it's one of those where it's the camera got the perfect shot of it, and you, you wish it didn't. Uh, but with the Kevin Ware, yes, with the the Bengals tight end situation up in the air, what, what how are you attacking those? Because that seems like cheap prices and a a good good place to attack. Right, yeah. I mean, the Dolphins are always a team you want to attack with tight ends, even though they're kind of been league average this year. But this is the offense is moving right now. So if you're looking for a cheap option, especially if Xavier Howard probably going to be on AJ Green. Howard's been very good, so I think he'll slow he'll slow um AJ Green down. Joe Mixon looks like he'll be back, so that, that unfortunately eliminates our Gio Bernard love. But for the tight ends, I'm gonna take a look here and I'm you know if I'm looking at, at team snaps this season, even with Eifert in the lineup, he was second at 49%. CJ Uzuma has 59% of the tight end snaps for the Bengals. You would figure this percentage is, is going to go up now that there's no Eifert. So at 2,900, if I'm on a punt tight end, Uzuma is the guy over Croft. And I'm, you know, I think Croft was more of a relevant option a year ago for the Bengals. I can see people going there, but I think Uzuma is the guy that you want here. Yeah, I, I say Croft's got that name recognition, I guess, because he's he's been around a little bit longer and you people have used him. Uh, other times there have been injuries at the position in Cincinnati, but yeah, I feel like it was, there were points week one where it was, oh yeah, Uzuma's doing this and who, 
Who? Like Tyler Eifert's healthy. Why isn't he doing anything? So yeah, I think what? I think I think Uzuma's got a little bit, you know, a little bit less name recognition that uh might give him the upper hand uh in that tight end position. Again, he's twenty nine hundred. I mean, it's a risk. I mean, you're basically punting him as a tight end. You know, as, as well, I right, think but I... but how many what what, is it, what do you need? A touchdown and you're you're two X already, right? Right. I mean, I guess the other thing, though, is when you look above for $100 more, you see Austin Hooper, who I know frustrates everybody every week, but he still produces somewhat in a, in a scoring game of the week. So I think Uzuma makes for a nice tournament's pivot off of Hooper, who probably will get some ownership at $3,000 as a Bible tight end in that high-scoring affair. Yeah, all right. Uh, what what do you have next on your, your agenda for, for – stuff to talk about oh let me see here i had something here for you know okay i mentioned this one earlier minnesota philadelphia what are we doing with this game because essentially this is should be two pretty good offenses two really good teams in reality but we saw philadelphia just blow them out last year in the nfc title game are we ready are, are we fully trusting carson wentz yet and how vulnerable is this vikings defense who got lit up by the Buffalo Bills and Jared Goff picked them apart a week ago on Thursday night. Like, I'm not sure I'm fully ready to think the Vikings defense is bad. Yeah, I, I was going to say, it's it's gotten that, I've gotten that feeling the last two weeks that it's, alright, this defense is not what it was last year. But last year what it was was the best defense in football. But this, with the exception of Jacksonville, depending on the week, really. Uh, I think... I don't think they are what they were last year, but I, I don't think I'm ready to call them a, a bad defense. So I think that you that Buffalo game is is one that's going to be left to the mysteries of the universe as to how it happened. Because I, I, I that that game's on it's inexplicable. Like that score, you could you couldn't explain that if you had a thousand hours to come up with with why. Like it's I think it's just a I think it's just an outlaw. Well, but that's what I'm saying. It was, it was just, it was a, a freak accident and somehow it worked out. I don't get it, but it did. So you get past that. Jared Goff. All right. Well, that the Rams are the top offense in football. Like that's, you know, they're, they they're lighting up everybody. So now you get to a team that, you know, all right, are they going to get punched in the mouth again? Like they did against the bills are they going to get absolutely torched like they did against the Rams, or are they going to buckle down with a few extra days to prepare and figure this out? And I'm leaning towards that. I am too. Like This feels like 24-20 type of game. Like, for, you know, in a slate where we have so many games above 50, I don't know if this is a game that I just want to go stack. But I think there's some usable pieces here. I just, again, we're going to have to, you know, I'm looking at the page right now for running backs in this game. Dalvin Cook, Corey Clement, Darren Sproles all have that little cue by them. You know, the wide receivers, do we really want to pay 77 for Thielen or 7,000 for Diggs? 6,200 for Alshon's probably fair. Aguilar, all of a sudden they have him playing the outside. He is doing absolutely nothing. So do we want to go there? I don't, this is just as a, you know, maybe if there's a one-off that you like, I'm fine with that, but. This this game, I think, is a much better real life game than a fantasy game. And for DFS purposes, 
I just don't see myself really going here. What about uh, what about Jordan Matthews? Any interest? You know, he caught the bit that long. I mean, his only catch last week was a score. So, right, and he can't. I I, I don't have the the prices in front of me, but I can't imagine thirty five hundred. Yeah, so that right, so that's thirty five hundred means a touchdown is is. Is is what you're looking for, basically. But but I think I'd rather go with Valdez Scantling at 3,300 than you know in a game where I think there will be more points, and I think he'll be the second receiving option rather than you know, Jordan Matthews, who at best is the fourth receiving option if you include Ertz. Right, I agree. I I was just I was just spitballing it out. I was thinking about it because I know uh, all my Nelson Aguilar shares uh, have been suffering since uh, he came into town. Yes, yeah. Um, I agree. Yeah. All right. Why don't you? Uh, why don't you let the people know about about my fantasy fix, Skeeter? Sure. So again, you know, I've, I've mentioned a couple of times here these snaps. You know, snap stats. This is part of the research tab over on my fantasy fix. So we do have the optimizer, but really, you know, for me, I, I like the optimizer just to see the projections, the value, ownership, all that. But I love looking at the research tab too because now we're starting to get a you know, most teams have played four games, unless you're Washington or Carolina have only played three. We're beginning to kind of see what these teams are like. So what are these teams doing on offense? What are the defenses like? What, what are the pace plays? What's the red zone share? Like, all of this is what's available on on the uh, My Fantasy Fix Optimizer. Again, it's $99.95 for the, for the entire season. But if you're going to be playing, you know, $100 a week or more, I don't know, you know – I know we have some different bankrolls out there, but if you're putting in big money, you really need to find the research, especially if you're playing tournaments, to try to find that little bit of an edge that nobody's on, that the numbers are now starting to trend saying, hey, you know, Carlos Hyde is a good running back. Maybe this isn't the week against the Ravens that you want to play him. But you know what? He's the guy I got to remember. Or, you know what? No matter how, you know, Lamar Miller is still bad. You know, we still can't really use him. So just looking into the numbers, Trying to figure out what is going on, seeing the seeing the projections that Anthony runs with Fantastics and putting the DFS spin on it for my fantasy fix. All of this is available. You can do your own research. You get the premium podcast with me, Phil, and Michael, which we'll record here actually right after I'm done with this one, where we go position by position, looking at cash plays, tournament plays, or I throw tournament plays into cash plays because apparently I just never know when we're moving on. So you get all this information. We have the free stuff, this podcast. Phil writes an article. I write a free article. You get the injury updates on Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon. All this available for less than $100. And I know some of you are paying more than $100 a week for your games. So if you're not paying for anything or if you just want to see the additional research that you might not find anywhere else, give us a look over at MyFantasyFix.com. Absolutely. You can follow uh, Skeeter on Twitter at Skeeter, is it Skeeter Robinson? I believe that's what I'm at. Yes, you can follow me on Twitter. Is it bad? I don't know my own Twitter. I mean, let me, I'm let me quickly. Skeeter Robinson. Yeah, let me yeah, quickly look. Skeeter Robinson. I I don't have anything creative. I'm not like you trying to be the Bennett Carroll. Okay, no, I'm the Bennett K, and that is only because the guy who has at Bennett refuses to give. He never tweets. He refuses to give it up. He blocked me because I was harassing him, and I may or may not have reported him to Twitter as dead to try and get his handle. Uh, but that's a different story. Uh, yeah, you can follow me at the Bennett K. 
thank you for listening to the uh this has been the week five my fantasy fix podcast uh good luck this week